Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Midwife Life. My name is Jasmine, I'm a registered midwife and today I'm going to be talking a little bit about induction of labour. So just before I begin the podcast, just want to say thank you to anyone that's having a listen and following me along on my podcast journey. I think um, at the start I was a little bit rough with it, but getting better with time, I feel. Um, So I've got Frankie in here with me and he's going crazy. So I'm trying my best to concentrate, but we will get through it today. All right, I'll introduce the little pooch. Say hi. just giving it a bit of a scratch oh my goodness no one told me that dash hounds have so much energy honestly like he can't be tame as Miley Cyrus once said he is just out of this world crazy so if I get distracted I do apologize in advance all right so let's get into the topic of the day which is induction of labor Um, as a midwife working in a tertiary hospital I feel like I do inductions at least a few times a week So it's something I have a decent amount of knowledge on. So I'm just going to kind of throw it out there and tell you my experience with inductions um, and just tell you a little bit about, um, you know, what the day looks like, why you might be asked to have an induction um, and ways to cope, etc. So just going to pretty much do a big holistic explanation of induction because I feel like, you know, a lot, a lot of people are induced and just talking to friends and family and things like that, I feel like honestly a good chunk of them have been induced and it's something that I find when women turn up for the induction, sometimes I feel like it hasn't really been explained to them. So generally I have to explain the whole thing to them before we get started. Um, but I think it's really good to know a little bit about what's happening before you kind of say yes to something so you know inducing your labor is a pretty big thing and I think that it's good to be educated on that so here we are let's get cracking let's go first of all what is an induction of labor so you know some people listening to this might not even be midwives you might be pregnant or hey you might just be HSC student I don't know but what an induction is is pretty much we, when you're going into labor naturally, right, your body produces a hormone called oxytocin and that's what makes your contractions, okay? So when we're inducing your labor, we give you a drip with oxytocin, artificial oxytocin in the bag and that drip runs slowly and then we gradually increase it to give your body more oxytocin and then your body will make contractions and go into labor, that's pretty much it. Um, so today I'm just going to be talking about the induction, the syntocin on drip and things like that, but different hospitals induce in different ways and normally you have to have a few things done before 
you get to the drip stage. You know what? Screw it. Let's just talk about that too. So let's say that you've been asked to be induced, okay? Different hospitals do different things, but pretty much you need your cervix to be what we call favorable, which is um, we want your cervix to be ready for the labor. So, you know, we want it to be at least a little bit dilated and um, not super, super thick, I guess. So what we do to try and get you ready for the day is some hospitals will give you um, like a hormone to make your cervix soft called prostin um, or cervidil. So you pop that in and that's a hormonal way to make your cervix soft and open for the induction. Oh, Frankie, <laughs> you're a wild child. Seriously. Sorry, he's just biting everything. Yeah, so they'll give you some kind of hormone gel or strip behind your cervix to help that ripen for the induction day okay so that's hormonal we're giving you hormones to get that going another way that we might do that is like manually so pretty much we put like a catheter inside your cervix and then we blow up like this big water balloon that puts pressure on your cervix and that is encourages the hormones to naturally start going around and that will ripen your cervix okay so there's the hormonal version and there's the mechanical version so different hospitals do different things as I said so yeah speak to your health professional about what they do before you get induced all right so back to the syntocinon drip which is your induction day that's the main thing I'm going through today so you obviously have days leading up to this induction day, which some people don't realize, like sometimes being induced is like a whole three-day process. So you've got to be prepared for that, that some people react really quickly, some people don't. So yeah. So you come to the hospital, okay? It's the day of your induction. Generally, you get started in the morning, sometimes the afternoon. Um, but for this scenario, we'll just say you're coming in the morning. So what do you do? You come in in the morning to the birth unit, you bring your hospital bag and things like that, and one of the midwives will take you to one of the birth rooms, um, and that's where you'll deliver your baby and have your induction for the day. Um, so what generally happens is you do need a cannula, so a drip, um, because that's going to give you the medication for the day, so someone will put a drip in your hand and... Um, We'll pop on what we call a CTG, which is the baby monitor, and we'll check that the baby is coping well, um, obviously, before we start the drip because we want to make sure that the baby's happy before we go any further with intervention. So, yeah. And then what happens? So pretty much then you will get your first vaginal examination, which is um, where one of the midwives will pop on some sterile gloves, they'll put some lubricant on the fingers, and they will put their fingers inside your vagina and check how dilated the cervix is. Um, at this point too, if your waters haven't broken, then we might artificially break your waters before we start the drip. Um, so generally what we do is we have like a little hook, it's very tiny, and we just gently nick the waters, you know, break it with our finger and um, let all the lycor just flow out. Um, the reason we do this is because we need to make sure that the head 
is well applied to the cervix um, before we start the drip um, because you don't want to not break the waters and then, you know, say the cord comes out or something like that, that could be very dangerous. So we break the waters, we make sure the head comes down nicely and that it's well applied to your cervix um, so that pressure will help you go into good labour. Another thing I want to mention, so once we break your waters too, um, it's not just like this one gush and then it stops. Pretty much you're going to be leaking until you have your baby. So it's going to feel warm and it's going to feel like you're almost pissing yourself. So I'm just going to be honest because a lot of the mums think, oh, the waters are broken, it's done now. But no, it's not like the movies. You'll just keep leaking and leaking and leaking until you have your little baby. Okie dokie. So you've come in, you've got your cannula, you've had your first vaginal examination, your waters are broken. Now what? Now the midwives, if everything's running smoothly, will start the oxytocin drip, which is what I talked about before, um, which is what gets you into labor. Now, another thing that I feel like mums don't understand is that when we start the drip, that doesn't mean that you're in labor instantly. It takes time to build up to labor, okay? So before you're in active labor, you have like the latent phase, which is before the active labor. So, you know, you, we've got to get your body into the latent phase and build up to the labor. For some women, this works quite quickly. For other women, it can take hours and hours. Um, and honestly, it's hard to say how you're going to react. Um, but pretty much what we do is we start the drip and we feel your tummy for contractions. Um, we monitor your discharge, the baby, um, your behavior, all these kind of things. And gradually, if it's safe to do so, we turn up the drip until we feel you're in active labor. Once you're in active labor, there's no need to turn up the drip anymore. We just leave it and we let you labor naturally. Like, well, not naturally, we're inducing you, but we let you just keep laboring until you have the baby. Um, as long as everything is running smoothly. So back to how long does it take? Um, so I feel like every woman is different and it really depends on how many kids you've had and things like that. Normally, if it's your first baby, I feel like for generally it will take a bit longer um, compared to if it's like, say, your second or third baby. Um, and that's purely because like, the first time you've had a baby, like your body's doing this process for the first time. So sometimes it can take a little bit longer to get into active labor. Whereas if you've had like, you know, multiple children and things like that, your body remembers, you know, how to labor effectively. And generally it happens a little bit quicker. Um, but in saying that every person is different, so it's hard to say. I feel like generally for your first baby um you know sometimes it can take up to like 12 hours so I think it's good to be mentally prepared that it can be a very very long time um but yeah I don't know some people it will take literally four hours babies out happy days other people 12 hours nothing's happened and yeah it just really depends on the individual so I'm going to talk a little bit about um, why does it take so long for some people and other people, like, it goes really quick. Um, 
so look, it really depends on the person, like I said, but something that can influence it is how dilated your cervix is and how thick it is when you start your induction. So for example, if your cervix is like really long, like a few centimeters long, and only say one centimeter open, then it's going to take a lot longer to get you into established labor. Whereas say if you're starting and you're three centimeters dilated and you know, your cervix is quite thin, it's not really going to take much time to get you into labor. So that starting point of where you're starting is, you know, quite important to your progression with the labor. So yeah, when you get your vaginal examination before you start your induction, I think it's a good thing to ask your midwife what the results are just so you can kind of keep track of how it's working for you. Also from that first vaginal examination, we do them every four hours and this is purely so we know that what we're doing is working. Um, you know, we want to make sure that the drip that we're running is making progress. Even if it's just making your cervix thinner or just dilating a few centimeters, um, we just need to know that it's either working or not working so we can, um, you know, make safe decisions later down the track. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about some reasons why you might be induced. Um, so I guess something that is common is post-dates. So you know, we like to say that a term pregnancy is between like 37 weeks and above, but when you're getting to about 41 weeks, um, that's when we start considering you getting overdue. So you will most likely be allocated an induction. Okay. So normally it's say like 41 weeks and three days or five days, you might have your induction date. So that's another thing you need to have a consult to talk about that to make sure you want to do that. And if you're the type of person that really doesn't want to be induced, um, then, you know, you don't have to say yes to everything. You always have options. So um, someone will talk to you about the pros and cons. I guess like the pros is that you're going to induce your labor to have baby and things like that. And the reason that it's not safe to keep going to say like 42 weeks and beyond is that your placenta that is feeding your baby nutrients and keeping baby alive can get quite stiff and calcified. So it doesn't flow as effectively. Um, so that's pretty much, yeah, the reason that can be quite dangerous and when you get to 42 weeks and beyond, you're at higher risk of a stillborn. Um, so this is why we induce labor when you go overdue. Um, but some women still don't want an induction and that's perfectly fine. Like it's up to you uh, what you feel the risks are and things like that. So if you say no, what generally happens is you will come to the hospital for like um, CTG monitoring, which is like the baby monitor, and they'll have you get ultrasounds regularly to check the baby, check the flow of the placenta, and just to check how much fluid is around the baby because you want to make sure that you know baby's safe. So anything you with labor, like you always have your own options. Um, it's really important to speak to a health professional. I'm just telling you my experience, but make sure you speak to a doctor or your midwife to make sure you're making the right decision for you. 
So a few more reasons that you might be induced is if you have an ultrasound and they feel the baby is too big or too small. Okay, so pretty much the risk with a baby being too big, it's pretty self-explanatory, but it might not fit down the birth canal if you keep going on and on and on. And if the baby is too small, that might mean that they're malnourished and, you know, like I said, the placenta might not be working as effectively. So you may be induced for that reason as well. Other reasons that you could be induced is if you are feeling decreased fetal movements with the baby um, a few times. Um, There has been research that has shown that if you are feeling decreased fetal movements over a few times, there's high risk of stillborn. So um, we don't mess with things like that. If you're feeling like you're worried about movements and you're full term, um, yeah, we'll induce the labor. Another reason is if you have pregnancy health conditions such as gestational diabetes um, or if you have any blood pressure issues um, like preeclampsia. Um, yeah, so they are just a few things. If you're IVF pregnancy, you may have an induction or if your waters break um, but you don't go into labor naturally over a certain amount of time, you will ask to be induced as well, just purely because the waters are open and um, there's a high risk of infection if you leave it for too long. So, yeah, there are just a few reasons why you might be asked to be induced. All right, are your brains fried yet? Have I given you too much information? I think probably yes, but we'll have a little intermittent break here. Frankie, say hello. Seriously, I'm not joking. He has been biting the scrunchie on my wrist for like the whole episode. That's him going for it. Yeah, ready? Come here. He's just having way too much fun. Hmm. Let's take a deep breath in. All right, deep breath in and out. It's good to have a break. I'm just talking my head off here. All right, so we've gone over a lot of induction stuff here and um, I hope this has taught you guys something on what induction might look like for you. But finally, and I think the most important thing is how do you cope with an induction? How can you prepare yourself physically and mentally for the induction day. I'm going to give you some tips on how to do that now. So I think number one, good job. You listened to the podcast. That's good. So you've educated yourself on what to expect a little bit for the day. I think that is a great thing to make sure you're educated on what's going to happen so you can be a little bit mentally prepared. Number two, um, Make sure when you're getting induced and things like that, the contractions can be more intense than natural contractions as we are artificially making them. So make sure you know how to cope with the pain in the sense of movement and heat packs and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So research different movements you can do in labor and, um, you know, natural things to help you stay relaxed. 
Um, I don't think aromatherapy is allowed because of COVID, but yeah, generally like if you can have things like nice lighting and aromatherapy, um, little battery candles, stuff like that, like create a calm mood so you can have a day where you progress more effectively. Another thing is it's good to know your pain relief options. Even if you're the type of person that doesn't want pain relief, I think it's good to know your options just in case it gets a little bit too intense and you decide you do need something because I feel like a lot of people that do get induced, um, they try their best, they use the gas and things like that, but, you know, sometimes they do need morphine or the epidural and things and induction is very, very intense and I think a lot of people don't realise that. So if you do need something, it's not the end of the world, just try your best and see how you go, but still good to know your pain relief options, which I've pretty much just covered, which is using the gas, having a morphine injection, you can get like sterile water injections in your back for back pain, um, or obviously the epidural, which I feel like a lot of people know about that one. Okay. Oh, sorry. Frankie just bit me. Stop biting. Honestly, he's wild. Um, Bring some snacks for the day. So just things that are small snacks like muesli bars or something, some fruit, nothing too heavy. And bring something like, say, a Powerade or something that you like to drink just to sip on that gives you energy throughout the day. Um, yeah. And just make sure you bring something for, you know, tell your partner to pack some snacks for himself or herself, whatever, um, because it is going to be a long day for them as well as you. So they need to make sure that they're looking after themselves so they can help you effectively. Okay, so that is pretty much induction of labor in a nutshell. Um, as I said, I do this a few times a week, so I feel like I know how the cookie crumbles with the induction. So, look, give it your best shot and good luck if you're having an induction anytime soon. If you have any further questions, feel free to message me. I pretty much just post my updates on podcasts on Instagram. Oh, my goodness. I'm so not technical. But, yeah, so my Instagram is midwifelife underscore podcast. So that's where I upload like all my podcasts that are coming up. And yeah, if you private message me, I do reply. So if you have any further questions or anything else that you want to hear, just message me and I'm happy to do a podcast on it. So yeah, hope you got something out of today and learned something new. And I will see you next time. Have a good day. Bye.